We're in Psalms 56 uh, tonight, and this says the title of this psalm is to the chief musician set to the silent dove in distant lands. It's a mictum of David when the Philistines captured him in Gath. Uh, now some think that it's probable but not certain that the silent dove in distant land was the tune in which the psalm uh, was sung. You know, sometimes we have uh, songs, I know when uh, Titus or uh, others get up and say, okay, we're going to learn this new song. It's at the tune to another song that we may know. So this, is, this could be very probable, uh, the same thing with this psalm. And when it comes to uh, mictum, I think I'm pronouncing that right, um, it's been defined a couple different ways. One is golden, like a golden psalm. The other is a uh, kind of a... Uh, secret psalm, uh, a song in secrecy. And uh, this was written, of course, during the time, it says, when David was captured there at, uh, in Gath. So it could be a psalm in secrecy as far as... And some of the things uh, kind of make you think that from what it's talking as David is exp once again expressing his thoughts uh, to God when he's in a time of need, as we've seen many different times. But let's look at uh, 1 Samuel 21, starting in verse 10. This is the time in which it's referencing to about the Psalms. It says, Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul, and went to Achish, uh, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, uh, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gate, and let his saliva fall down on his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Look, you see the man insane. Uh, we have, uh, why have you brought him to me? Have I need of madmen that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? So here we have a situation where this deals with a period between the visit, if you remember the visit of David to the uh, tabernacle of Nob, which, uh, you know, the, the incidents that were there with them giving him provisions caused... Uh, 85 priests to be slaughtered and others. So it was a time between his visit there and also his arrival at Alderman. So you have that time in which uh, David seemed alone, um, captured, um, resorting to acting like a madman to save his life. Um, we, we see David living in some pretty, uh, pretty harsh times. Uh, you know, we think of King David, but um, King David was on the run a lot. King David was in trouble a lot and had a lot of adversaries against him. And here, once again, we see this uh, in this psalm. But let's look at Psalms uh, 56, uh, about verse 1 and 2. He says, Be merciful to me, O God, for man would swallow me up. Fighting all day, he oppresses me. My enemies would hound me all day. For there are many who fight against me, O Most High. So here David starts out, be merciful to me. Now when he's making his request to God, I, th I think it's interesting to note that David is not looking 
necessarily for what he deserves from God. He's not telling God, okay, I deserve this from you because how I'm living, uh, almost like you're obligated to do this because this is what I deserve. He starts out not saying anything about what he deserves or even the help that he needs. He starts out by pleading to the, the mercy of God. I need you to do this because of your mercy, not because of who I am, not because of what I'm doing or what I have did and deserve, but because who you are and that you're merciful. He says, have mercy to me, O God. And he said, here's the reason why, because man would swallow me up. He, he, he's at a point once again to where, uh, I don't know if David thought of this just right on the spur of the moment. Okay, I'm about to die. Here I'm captured. They're bringing me to the king. What am I going to do? What's he do? He just starts acting like a madman. He, he, he starts acting like he's crazy. I guess to, to the effect where if I act like this, they won't see me as a threat anymore. Because notice how the king described him. He said, is this not David, the one that they sung songs about? Look who Saul has killed, what his thousands, but David his ten thousands. He's talking about how great David is. So what does David do in response to that? He said, I, I, I need to not be a threat to them anymore in this situation. So he just starts acting crazy. Like, well, just let him go. He can't do nothing anymore. He can't bother anyone anymore. Uh, he's not powerful uh, like a king should be. And I think he just felt like that was his only resort as far as the fleshly part goes. But David is doing what he always does. He's turning to God, realizing, okay, I can only do this so much. God, this is just up to you. It's going to be because of you that I get out of this. But he says, fighting all day, uh, he oppresses me. My enemies would hound me all day. What is David saying here? Notice, I, they, they oppress me all day. They hound me all day. Is David getting any relief from this? It seems like everywhere he turns, something is happening. Everywhere he turns, someone is against him. Someone is saying something about him. Someone, you know, uh, it's almost like you ever had one of those days where you say, well, the day just couldn't get any worse. It's just like so much has happened today, it surely couldn't get any worse. And then what happens? It does. <laughs> and I think that's what David is feeling quite often here. It's like no matter where I turn, something bad's happening, Bert. Sometimes because I'm the only one. <laughs> but uh, no, <laughs> not by any means. <laughs> you see, it does make you awkward to be a servant of God yeah. in the world. No, it, it don't. And, and it's because decisions you have to make, decisions we have, everyone makes decisions. Whether it's the world, whether it's Christians, whether it's whoever, we all make decisions. And those decisions put us on certain paths, doesn't it? And, and those paths lead to certain things depending on what your decision is. If your decision is to serve God no matter what, there's going to be something along your path that's going to test that. There's going to be someone along that path that's going to test that, that's going to oppress that, that's going to try to do whatever they can against that. If we go down a path that says, okay, I'm not going to do what God says, well, there's, there's things in that path too that's going to cause trouble, but in different ways and with different help. So we all get put on a path, and David here, his path has led him many different ways because David had the path of sin, he had the path of righteousness, he had the path of, you know, he's trying, he, he's trying to stay on the straight and narrow, and he, he himself ha has strayed away from it, but staying on the straight and narrow, he, 
He, he just runs in opposition everywhere he goes. But I think that's not just because he is serving God. I think it's because he's a king that's serving God. And I think that, that puts a little bit more spin on it because there's more adversary. There's going to be people come after him just because he's a king. It may not have anything to do with him serving God. It may just have to be because he's a king. But the fact that he's a king serving God, that's, that's putting a little more uh, pressure on it also. So David is, is, is having a hard time just being king, but he's really having a hard time being a king that, that serves God. And he said, this is what man is trying to do. He says, for there are many who fight against me, O Most High. Now there's a couple of thoughts on this, and I, I didn't think about it, but as I read different things on this, there's two interpretations that some have of the last part of this verse. One that uh, David is saying, for there are many who fight against me, O Most High, that he's talking to God, O Most High, that he says, here's what they're doing, and he's referring to God as uh, O Most High. Now, Adam Clark says that that's not what David is talking about at all, that he's talking about a position, an elevated position. He's, he's, he says, David is saying this, for there are many who fight against me, O Most High, that they're in this elevated position, whether it be uh, the people that they are in that position or a strategic position, uh, like on a battlefield, you want the higher ground. And that's what uh, Adam Clark says that David is referring to. I, I don't think I agree with that. I'm not saying it's wrong. Uh, I think it could be that, but I think David is addressing God here. I think he's calling, saying, referring to God almost high. Um, I, I guess either one could work. I think I just I fall to the, the side of, of he's referring to God. But there are some who think that he's referring to his enemies have took a strategic position against him. And it's not looking favorable for David. He knows they've got the higher ground. <laughs> um, and that very well could, could be it. Um, any thoughts or comments before we move on? Bill? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've been called a church of Christer some. Uh, um, uh, usually it's in the firm or, oh, you're one of those church of Christers is usually how it's phrased. <laughs> but, uh, but you're right. That's how some will refer. And, and it does come down to, okay, you, you know, there are certain things that set you apart. That, and depending on how people look at that, uh, and the information and the knowledge they have about it, they can assume a lot of things about it, or they can uh, uh, try to degrade it because of what they know or don't know. Uh, yeah.
Yeah, you. Uh, yeah, it, it does. Uh, you know, people, there, there can be a stigma attached to it based on how somebody has approached individuals and what somebody thinks. And, you know, when, when, you're, when you're comparing Christians to the world, then how the world sees it is, okay, in the world, then you've got those, uh, those that are Christians or just religious, and then the world looks at it how their the religion is divided up, and they're just based on what they see and think, well, here we are this way, but they're all divided up amongst themselves. They all do something. And I tell you, individuals have a point. You know, when you, when you start looking at individuals in the world and they're, say, they're seeking God, and they look at all the different denominations that's out there, and they see how people can actually believe. I mean, it's just like if, if I was to get up here and I preached three sermons, but all three sermons were different. One of them was baptism is essential to salvation. One of them, baptism is not essential to salvation. One of them is uh, uh, you can be baptized, but it just has to be sprinkling. What would you think if I preached those three lessons? What would anybody think? That I was nuts. You can't pre- one person can't preach it three different ways, but to some people, three different people can preach it three different ways and be right. And that's just never made sense to me. I, I don't understand how individual, different individuals can, can preach it differently and be right, but one person can't preach it three different ways or four different ways and be right. It's no difference, is it? It's still different messages. It don't matter how many times people do it. But it's, it, it's that persona that the religious world gives. So when the world looks at that, they, they get their own views, they get their own uh, ideas about it, and they treat individuals accordingly. I, I think you can see that, in essence, with David. You, you've got individuals that look at David a certain way based on maybe how he does as a king, based on what he did with Bathsheba, based on what he did with Goliath, based on you know uh, what happened in that instance we talked about with the priest at, at Nob. I mean, David's going to be judged based on some of those instances instead of who he is as, uh, as a whole. And, and I think we all fall in that kind of same category. But what David seems to be getting here lately is, is pretty well the, the uh, hard knocks of it, uh, of, of how people see him. Any other thoughts? Look at verse 3 through 4. He says, Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I will put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? Now, David, you almost see a progression here. Notice what he says. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. David is showing something here. Uh, Many times we think when we're afraid... It's because we don't trust God. We think it's an either-or thing. We think we have to get through the fear to get back to the trust of God. But is it possible to be afraid but still trust in God to get me through that fear? Yeah, it is. But we don't think that sometimes. I, I, I'm the same way when I get in situations where maybe I'm afraid to speak up or maybe I'm afraid to do something or I get into a, a, a situation where I'm fearing... I think, well, that's my fear is just because it's a, it's a lack of trust in God. 
But if I let fear control me, then yeah, it, it can be. But I can, you know, you think about courage. Courage is not the, the, the absence of fear, is it? Courage is action in spite of fear. You know, I, I, you can be afraid but still know you have to act so you do it. Well, I, I think faith in God and trust in God can be the same way. I can still be afraid in doing this, but I can still have trust in God to know, okay, God's going to be here with me. And I think that's what we see with, with David. Notice he said, whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Now notice, he says, in God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, I will not fear. So you see now, David goes from trusting in God with fear to getting into his word trusting in his word and praising his word to a point of no fear. And, and I think that's what we have to do because how do I work through that fear or how do I know what the right thing to do is? Well, God tells me through his word. It's not something that we make up. It's not something that we just come up with on our own. It actually comes from God's word. So it's not just trusting in God. It's trusting in who he is and what he says. That's what's going to get me to the point of no fear. Now, I don't start out that way, but through that process of trusting him through his word, that's where I get to. Bert? Well, one of the things that I love to David, uh, back in the 23rd Psalm, talks about leading sheep off the mount and this kind of thing. But he says there are bears and lions and many uh, wild animals. Now, to me, I'd be scared to Oh, yeah. As, as he was going along. Yeah. So he's been just fear for a long time. Oh, yeah. I mean, you think back, you know, you look. I mean, David had to be afraid, but he said the same, and he gave God the credit, the same God who gave me this. That's how he's going to do the Goliath. And that's the difference of fear. You know, when David was able to go up against Goliath, it says, it says Saul's army was afraid. And if you go back to look at the original word, it's that, I think it's Phobos is what that fear is. It's, it, it's a paralyzing fear. So Goliath, to them, caused them to be such afraid that they couldn't move. You know, that kind of fear where your body just, you can't move. That, that's the kind of fear they had. It doesn't say David was without fear of Goliath. David just acted. And he, he gave reasons why he could because God was with him with the bear and the lion. And it didn't say he wasn't afraid with that then. You know, it, it comes down, it's... And you brought up the 23rd Psalm where David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, you, you think about that. Think about a baseball bat. If somebody was to come up and hit you with a baseball bat, one, would you be afraid? And two, would it hurt? Well, absolutely it would. But what about the shadow of the bat? Does that hurt you? No, it's just the shadow of it. The bat is still there, but you only experience the shadow of the bat. It's a whole different experience, isn't it? Well, uh, you look at that when it comes to what David is saying about death. It's, it's where, how, how God brings you through something that doesn't affect you the same way the actual thing would. If that makes any sense. That's kind of how my brain works with it. You know, you, you look at what David is saying, especially in Psalms 23, that what he's able to do. He didn't say the enemies wasn't around, but he said, here's what you do for me, you prepare a table for me where I can sit down and eat in peace even though my enemies are there and around me. It's not that the enemies are gone, it's that 
Here's what I can do in the presence of them because of you. So there's the shadow part of it again. It's not the actual enemy. The enemy's still there, but here's what God can do in there. And that's what David faces each and every time. When he's right in the middle of this, and this is all around him, what he experiences is the fear of what's there, the problem's there, the trial's there, the enemy's there, all of that's there, but look how God gets him through it. The actual effect of what he's going through doesn't have the result it wants. It's like the shadow of a bat, but not actually a bat. And, and I think if we think about our Christian lives, I, I think we can start putting those pieces together too like that. We, we can see how, you could always look and say, well, if it wasn't my faith, look how worse it would have been. You know, facing it without our faith. It's not that we don't face it, but facing it without faith is, is, is a totally different experience. And, and I think that's what we have to try to get ourselves through. And that's what David, whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. See, all of our, all of our instructions on how to, anything we know to do, it, it comes from God. Without his word, there, there's nothing. You know, without what he's saying, that's what he, uh, Hebrew says faith is. You know, faith is substance things hoped for, and the evidence is not uh, 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 of things not seen. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh before God must believe that he is, not that he's just God, but that he's the rewarder of them that diligently seek after him. So what do we trust in? Trust in that it's him, and we trust in his word that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. So th that's where our faith has to come together. It's not just, do you believe in God? Well, yeah, I believe in God. Well, it's much more than just believing in God. It's truly believing and the words that he says and what he's going to do. If we don't believe those things, do we truly believe in God? You know, do we truly believe he is uh, who he says he is? And then David says something here. What can flesh do to me? Okay, when you get go through that fear, okay, I, I, I'm afraid, so I'm trusting in God, then I, I'm studying through his word to, to get this encouragement, get this instruction to get through this. So I get to that point that I'm not afraid now. So what do I do? I look at the world and say, well, what can man do? Really, what can they do? If worse come to worse, what can they really do? Kill you? Then what? If you die faithful, we can go back to guess who? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> you know, that's exactly what they said. It's the same thing David did. What can flesh do to me? You can't do nothing but kill me. What's that going to do? That's going to put my soul right where it needs to be if I'm faithful to God. So what's the worst they can do? Is kill me. You know, Romans 8 and uh, uh, 28. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord are called according to His purpose. How does it work out to good? So what if they kill you? So what if this happens? It's not the end. It may be the end of the flesh, but the Spirit's going to live on, and that's what we're wanting in That's where we're going anyway. He's not saying just rush right into it. Paul ain't even dealt with that, didn't he? He said, I, I want to go on to be with Christ, but I have to be here to do this. Yeah, this is hard. That's better. I can get through this because I'm getting to the better. So when you look at your enemies like that, you know, really, what's, what's the worst that they can actually do? Mm -hmm. 
I wouldn't want to stand up against what he did if there wasn't a resurrection. Yeah. 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 And, and what Paul is actually saying, it either happened and it didn't, we either believe it or we don't. You know, and, and, and I, I guess that's where we all have to run it back to when we face things. Okay, here's where it really counts. Do I truly believe this or not? And if I truly believe it, then what can they do? Well, I mean, really, what can man do to us? Uh, you know, you, you go through, uh, we go through a lot. You know, sometimes uh, some people more than others, but the end result—that's I, I, one thing to look forward to. I don't believe there'll ever be one single soul that ever says, "When God says, enter thou into the joys of thy Lord," I don't believe that person ever going to say, "Yeah, I just don't know if this was worth it or not." You know, I don't think that phrase is ever going to happen. I mean, it's—it's it's going to be worth it, no matter what it is we faced. And even the word we face here, I think the more we'll say, this was worth it. Now I know why I went through that. Now I know why I faced that. We can't see it now, but we will. I mean, that, that's what we're looking forward to. We're not walking in the flesh, we're walking in the spirit. We're looking beyond these tangible things. And that's what David has to do. He, he has to, but David's flesh like we are. So you have to stop a minute and wrestle that through your mind and say, okay, I'm afraid. What, what, what am I afraid of? What, what's causing me to be afraid? What's actually happened? Is there a reason for my fear? Yes, there's a reason for my fear. This has actually happened. So what do I do with that fear? I just trust in God because when it's all said and done, what can they do? And then that's how we face it. Oh, and that's what he started out and that's what he started out at the very beginning on God's mercy not on what David des- thought he deserved uh, you know David doesn't ever get to the point look what I did look what I've done there's one psalm we went through and I forgot the psalm it was where David in a, a particular instance was saying search me I, I, I didn't do anything wrong in this instance that they're accusing me of but search me if you'll find something I'll make it right he wasn't saying, oh, I'm good, I never make a mistake. He was just saying, in this instance, I need, I need vindication because I'm right in this. And the reason I'm right is because I'm on your side, God. And so, you know, that's, that's one thing about David, I think, that really shows his character, too. He's not high and mighty and full of himself, even though they've sung songs about him. He's killed the 10,000. You know, all these maidens are falling at his feet, and he's just this great warrior. You know, this could have really pooped up that head a whole lot many times but uh he's been kept humble quite a bit by the experiences that he's going through so he he's not got to that point in verse five and six he said all day they twist my words all their thoughts are against me for evil they gather together they hide they mark my steps when they lie and wait for my life shall they escape by iniquity and anger cast down the peoples O god so David's saying, Here, here's what they're doing, and this is what people do. 
what do they do? They twist your words. They, they, they uh, use words that you say against you. They take it out of context. They do all these things trying to twist. And, and it's not, and, and this is what's so hard that David faces that we face too. It's not a, a necessarily just a physical threat. It's, it's, it's a psychological one. They're, you know, David said, I can't even say anything. They twist my words. You know, they're, they're trying to discredit me. They're trying to do all this. And, and notice what he says. Shall they escape by iniquity? He's asking God kind of a rhetorical question here. Shall they escape by iniquity? And here's what he says. In anger, cast down the peoples, O God. David once again goes to, here's what the people's doing. Here's what they're doing to me. I don't want revenge. I want vindication. And that vindication is through God. And he's, he's asking what other, other servants of God have asked over over time is, how long are you going to let evil get away? When we ask the same question today, how long God going to let some of these things go on that goes on? You know, we, we think of how bad it is. I don't believe it's still as bad as it could, it has been and could be. You know, but we still look in our time, in our generation, and the things that we go through, and, and we ask the same thing. How long, how long is this going to be? Are you going to let these things uh, take place? Because sometimes it can just look like, like other prophets. We can look like we're alone. We're the only one that's out here standing up. Or it may look like, does God really care? It don't seem like he's involved or he wouldn't let all this go on. And all these things start to reason just like they were uh, 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 throughout history. You know, as, as the Bible even tells us, you know, they're going to walk around making merry and think everything's going on like it was all the time. It's going to keep going on. Nothing's, and God said, don't think of it that way. You just think of it in terms of your time, not God's time, and God's time is different. Look at verse 8 uh, through 9 here. It says, uh, You number my wanderings, put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. So he goes from describing his trust in God, describing once again what the enemies are doing, and now he describes what he knows God is doing and has done for him. One, you number my wanderings. What's David saying? You know where I'm at. You know where I'm going. You know, you, you know the steps that I take. So David's saying, I know I'm not telling you anything new, not, God. I'm not surprising you by you saying, oh, David, I didn't know you were in that situation. David said, you know my wanderings. You know where I'm going. He says, put my tears into your bottle. Some think that this refers to a time how some cultures would kind of honor their dead or mourn for their dead. They would actually catch their tears in a, a certain vessel and actually take that to the grave or to the tomb as a, a mourning offering, as a respect offering, as, you know, this is how I've mourned for you. Uh, and David, they say David here is saying that that's what God does. God knows the tears that David has shed for the situation that he's in. Um, and God does know the pain we go through, doesn't he? You know, it, it, it may look like to us in the moment that God doesn't care because he's not doing anything, uh, but God knows every tear we shed. He knows every feeling that we have. He knows every pain that we suffer. Uh, he knows what we're going through, and that's what I think David is describing. Uh, he says, are they not in your book? When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know. He says, I know, God, you're caring for me. And my enemies are going to turn back because God is for me. 
Uh, Paul said this very thing, didn't he? In Romans 8 and 31, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's what David is saying, isn't it? Paul just added a little bit on the end. You know, he, David said, God is for me. And Paul says, if God's for me, who can be against you? The same thing David said earlier. What can man do? You know, we know. We either know he's with us or we believe he's not. We either totally trust him that he's there or not. You know, and I, it just, that would give you, if we truly believe that, if we truly knew God's presence was there, even though maybe we can't see it, even though, as Job said, I can't perceive it. You know, Job said, what, Job's 20, Job 23? But he says, I, I know he's there. I, 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 and that brings me comfort. That brings me a sense of, okay, I can get through this because I know he's there. And uh, we need that in our life, don't we? I remember I needed this in uh, kindergarten. I remember my aunt, uh, Ruth, used to walk me to kindergarten in Kentucky. And I think I only had to go a half a day then. But, uh, of course, I, I may have cried a little bit because I didn't want to go. Uh, a whole lot, actually. But they wouldn't let her stay. So this, this is what this lady did. She sat out in the hall and turned her chair and put her foot by the door so I could see her foot the whole time. Then she'd walk me home. You know, she did that for, I don't know, weeks. I got a Mickey Mouse watch out after it because she told my parents I didn't cry. So I, I, I got a Mickey Mouse watch. But I, I still think back to that moment, one, that she was willing to do that, and two, the comfort that that gave, just knowing. She wasn't in the room, but just knowing she was there. I could look over at that door and see that foot. I don't think she just put her shoe there. I think it was her foot. I think she stayed there, or she said she did anyway. But I, I can remember, I can still remember that. You know, when you, I was thinking about this when I read this uh, about David is, you know, you think about that God's for you, his presence is there. Even though sometimes it, it may not seem like it, even though we still have to do what we're doing, even if we're crying doing it, we, we have that sense of comfort, that, that comfort that it brings you of, of you know that person's there. And, and that, as a Christian, I think that's what we have to have, isn't it? We can still go through these things. We still have to go through this life. As Paul said, I still got to live in this world. But if I know he's there, then I, I can get through that. I, I can go through that because I know, okay, he, he's still there. All I got to do is look around. If I look close enough, I'll be able to see that he's there somewhere. Even if we get in situations like Job said, I don't perceive God in this. But then he says, I know he's there and I will trust in his word like my necessary food. And that's what David says time and time again, that he will praise God's word. And that's what brings him comfort through that. Any other thoughts, comments? And yes, I did cry at kindergarten, so we've moved on. <laughs> uh, let's look at verses 10 through 11. He says, In God I will praise his word. In the Lord I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? He's once again just, I think David is doing this, and you, you think about this in a song, you, you, you think about this in a tune, and keep you know, going through it and telling yourself, I can do this, I put my trust in God, I have my faith in God, I can praise his word, and just keep, just keep that at the forefront of your mind and your thoughts, and guess what, before you know it, you look back and, hey, I got through that. How did I get through that? Well, I got through that because I trusted in God, and and just looked at the world and said, what can you do to me? What really, what, what can you do that's going to be so horrible that's going to cause me to lose my faith? 
And if I have in my mind that there's nothing you can do to cause that to go away, there's really nothing they can do to stop that faith. And that's how you overcome, that's how you get through your enemies, even if your enemies are coming upon you. Uh, verses 12 through 13. Vows made to you are binding upon me, O God. I will render praises to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Have you not kept my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? So David says, okay, I, you, you brought me through this. Now what am I able to do? He says that I may walk before God in the light of the living. What do you think he means by that? That I walk before God in the light of the living. Yeah, I'm getting through it. The world can see it. My enemies can see it. They, they can, what you, he's saying, what you're doing for me, God, is not only benefiting me, but the world sees it. The world sees what you've done. The world sees how... And I think David is conscious of that. I think David is conscious that his actions don't just reflect him, it reflects God, doesn't it? And I think that's the same... Yeah, I think that's the same for all of us. How we handle something, how we go through something, how we talk about something, how we do something, is not only a reflection of us, but if you go read Colossians, we're hidden and Christ is the one that you see. So what is the world seeing? And David says here that I may walk before God in the light of the living. Here's what I'm able to do. The world's, I'm able to see this. You know, the world is able to see what I'm able to go through, what I'm able to face. No, that, yeah, he was still, Saul was still after him at this time because it was in between, if, 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 what says, if the timing is correct of what the heading says for Saul, it's after, it's why Saul was after him and he got provisions and got captured there at Gath. And I think that's a, that's a good point. And that's another thing I think David was conscious of. There's times David himself could have got on the throne quicker and David himself probably could have got him out of some situations if he if he'd took the action that, okay, I'm going to do this instead of it's God's place to do this so I'm not going to. And I think David was conscious of that. You know, God put, uh, is the one that got Saul there, God's the one that's going to put, take him out, and God's going to be the one to put David on. And David realized that's, that's not my place to overstep that. Uh, and I think the, the people seen that when he got on the throne. I think that was a big part of it, that they seen what he went through and what he trusted in. Because I, I still believe from the Psalms that we've read so far, any doubt, any, a lot of the fear, everything, I think David kept, between him and God. And, and David made sure people knew that he was serving God, but any complaint that he might have had that he needed to vent toward God, I think he kept to himself. Uh, and, and, and I think that says a lot about him in doing that, that he didn't, again, realize the reflection or the, the, the life that that would shine on God and not just him. Uh, and I think we need to be, uh, be aware of that ourselves. Because uh, sometimes what the world sees out of us uh, may not be what God wants them to see in Him, and they 
And the only way they can do that is what they see through us. And we've got to be conscious of that. Any final thoughts? I tell you, my wife has to remind me a lot. There, there's times you can be right, and how you act to prove that you're right can make you actually wrong and look bad toward you as a Christian. And, and I have to be constantly reminded of that because I'm one that if I'm right, I'm going to get you to see it to an extreme. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it till you see that. And it could actually do more harm than good on certain things. Now, we want to take a stand... But we, we've got to be conscious of how we look to the world. And, you know, you hear people say, well, it doesn't matter to me what people think of me. Well, no. Okay, so it don't matter what they think of you. Does it matter what they think of God? And we're a reflection of that. And I think we have to, we have to realize that.